It is finished. I remember watching a, um, a video uh, of um, there's a, a organization called NPR and they do tiny desks. And so this tiny desk is basically them kind of having artists perform in their office, literally in their office. And so they're kind of in the room and apparently, you know, people leave their desks in the rest of the building and come and gather around and watch these name brand artists perform in their office. And so um, during COVID, they had a, a tiny desk at home because they couldn't have the artists come. And so there was one artist who performed and it was outstanding the, the arrangements and the music and everything and in the comments because you know you always got to read the comments on these things right it's where you, know, you get the most enlightenment and banter but this person just said it's not just about the singer but these backing vocalists understood their assignment <laughs> and i thought to myself i could not have put it better myself they really did understand their assignment. And as Jesus cried, it is finished. It is in view of the fact that he understood his assignment. And that his assignment was complete. It is finished, represented, mission accomplished. And so, as we think about the Passover today, and we think about Jesus' mission... Jesus knew and understood that it was his mission to die for the sins of those who would believe. Now, let me um, share with you from John chapter 11. And you might be able to... All right, yeah, that looks like that's working. <coughs> John chapter 11 from verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. They went and snitched on him. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you, that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. And yet, from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. As if their plans were greater than God's plan. 
one of the things that, as I considered the, the nature of the Passover, that really struck me was the fact that, you know, sometimes in life you can feel like you've been passed by. You might have been passed by for getting picked for a team. You might have been passed by for being invited to the event. You might have been passed by for getting the job or getting the promotion. You might, and you can feel like you've been passed by. And sometimes people can feel like God has passed them by. Uh, forget the song. And, it, and, it's, and the punchline is, do not pass me by. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Come on, thank you, Brother Andrew and the, the veterans in the building. And it's true that we can feel like we've been passed by. But listen, when it comes to the Passover, we ought to feel glad that we've been passed by. Because if we hadn't, we would be experiencing the judgment. We would be experiencing the suffer, suffering that was due to us. The reality is that when it comes to Passover, someone has to pay. Someone has to pay. I forgot to mention that I'm controlling, so you're going to have to, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Work with me, bruv. Work with me. Now, this really came home to me. I was watching uh, a drama on Netflix, and there were certain characters in there um, having a conversation. And this hit me so powerfully. And if it weren't for the fact that we were streaming on YouTube, I would actually show the clip because I don't want our screen to get knocked off. But I'm going to describe to you the situation. So the drama was Top Boy, and it was the previous to the current season. I, don't, I can't tell you which one that was, because I don't understand what they've done with it. But nonetheless, <laughs> there was a character in there, and um, his name's um, Rafe. And Rafe is the brother of another character called Jermaine who's um, Jermaine's played by an actor called Bashi. Uh, I forget his full name, his, his government name. Anyway, so Rafe is Jermaine's brother, and Jermaine has been kidnapped, and he's been beaten, held at gunpoint, threatened with his life. He's got a price on his head. And in the scene, his brother is obviously out to like settle the score and in the most definite way he's gonna find who's done it and deal with them and he's not gonna spare them any mercy and so he's speaking to the lead character in the show Deshane because everybody knows who done it it was actually Jermaine's cousin Rafe's cousin Sully, also known as Kano. And so, there's a, there's a negotiation going on in this scene. A negotiation. And in this negotiation, the lead character, Deshane, is appealing for the forgiveness and the freedom and for the life of his, his best friend, Sully. And so, 
And don't worry, if you haven't watched it and you're intending to watch it, like, it's not really a spoiler moment, so I'm not like, killing the thing for you. Um, but I found it very interesting. It's insightful social commentary. So he's appealing for forgiveness, and he's, he's appealing, basically, that Rafe would pass over Sully. Like, miss him. Don't, don't, don't take out vengeance. Don't pour out your judgment on him, which he deserves. He deserves it. Like, no one's saying that he didn't kidnap his own cousin and put him in handcuffs against the radiator and beat him at gunpoint and threaten his life. No one's saying he didn't do that. But here's money. I'm going to offer you 5000 And plus, I'm going to offer you the people who put a price on your brother's head that led to all of this. And so, Rafe is kind of, he's taking it in, and then he says this. But Duchesne, you know someone's got to pay. And in that moment, it was clear. This violation couldn't go unresponded to without there being some kind of blood shed. Money, he would take the money. And the people who put the hit, maybe they put the hit, they weren't responsible. Those that were responsible, something needs to happen to one of them. Now, there was actually two of them. But Rafe's point was, you know how this works. Someone has to pay. The money was not enough to secure the forgiveness of Rafe as the offended party. If someone is to walk free, if someone is to be passed over, someone else has to pay. Now, that works itself out in the drama, but that's the reality of Passover. And that's always been the reality of Passover. Passover isn't a new theme in, in human experience. It's a theme that we're familiar with. That what I've described isn't a new sentiment. A lot of the issues that we see, not even just in terms of gang issues on the streets, but wars, governments, have this kind of tit-for-tat, retaliatory type of motion and momentum that says, well, they've done this to us, so someone's got to pay and then they retaliate, and then it's reciprocated. Well, they've done this to us, so now someone of them's got to pay. And we see this going on and on. Passover isn't an easy sweep. It isn't a, 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 a duck and a dodge, and the judgment that's due is just avoided. It has to be meted out in some way on someone. Even though his cause was unjust, even criminal, despite the Shane's plea for forgiveness on behalf of his best friend, he too understood the severity of the situation. Someone had to pay. Someone had to pay. And yet, when we think back to the earliest violation, 
we see a sense of this. The earliest crime, the earliest sin. We go back to Genesis. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was rejoicing. No, it doesn't say that. And I was expectant. It says, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent! He deceived me, and I ate. And yet the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. You see, the thing is, as they were in the garden having eaten of that fruit, I mean, to say that Eve dropped the ball is an understatement, right? She dropped it straight into Adam's hands, still wet with her saliva in the place where she had eaten a chunk. And he took it knowing all that he knew, and yet he ate. And immediately, they knew there was no going back from this. This violation was too grave. Everything changed. Their rebellion was now sealed and nothing would ever be the same. And as they looked at one another, they saw things that they never saw before. And feelings that they never felt before. Nakedness and shame. And they clothed themselves and yet still felt exposed. And when they heard Abba's voice in the garden, what did they do? They hid. Because they could not hide the feeling that someone had to pay. They had violated the will of God and someone had to pay. It's the same guilt that had them passing blame on the other. The Lord speaks to Adam. He says the woman. The Lord speaks to the woman. She says the serpent. Because someone had to pay and they didn't want it to be them. Hmm. And yet, what did the Lord say? In Genesis 3, 14 and 15, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, 
Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Hmm. Okay. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here we have the first intimation of the gospel, the expectation of the skull crusher, the one who would defeat Satan. The one who would come and pay it all. What about Lot? Even Lot himself recognized that hmm, someone had to pay in his Passover experience. In Genesis 13, we read of Lot choosing Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 11. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. In verse 10, we're told that the place looked like it was the garden of the Lord. It was like Eden. It was lush. I mean, I don't know. What are we talking about? Hawaii or, um, you know, some plush Beautiful climate, beautiful landscape, just lovely surroundings. This is how it looked, and this was the place that he chose. And yet, in chapter 19, verses 15 to 17, as morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city as they brought them out. Sorry. And as they brought them out, verse 17, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And yet, look what happens. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zohar. Then, Lot ran, then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley, and all the inhabitants of those cities, and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Leave it all. Leave them all. Don't look back. This was Lot and his family's Passover. Leave the luxury and the opulence, the lifestyle, and the sin. Sin so heinous, they even wanted to violate the Lord's messengers. 
Lot knew there must be a reckoning. Second Peter 2 tells us his righteous soul was tormented within him. Surely sin could only be tolerated for so long. Someone had to pay. The heartbreaking thing is that his wife would be one of them. Her heart longed for that place of wickedness more than the sanctuary of God. Her body left the building, but her heart remained. What a price to pay. What about Abraham? Hmm. In this moment, that is a foreview of the Father, God, sacrificing his son. We see a Passover moment. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and, and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, someone has to pay. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Such was Abraham's faith. See, Abraham understood there was no point going up there empty-handed. Abraham understood his assignment. He understood that this was a test of his faith. And yet, nonetheless, he went. He went in faith, trusting that the Lord himself would provide the necessary payment that would have to be paid. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. See, Abraham recognized someone had to pay. When it comes to sin, it cannot be left unaccounted for. 
How about Moses? The Exodus. The first Passover, as it was known as Passover. Although, as we're seeing, Passover moments existed long before. In Exodus 12, God says to Moses, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God's covenant people called to be a light to the nations. The seed of true freedom held captive to a sinful people. And yet, they knew themselves to be sinful. And yet they since learned that sin is something for which someone has to pay. They know that the blood of the lamb on their doorposts is the only hope of escaping the judgments and the death of their firstborn. Death would escape them. Death would pass over them, would avoid them because of the blood. And although they knew that they were no better than Pharaoh, they knew that their great God is. The lamb may be enough to pay, but only because God says so. We arrive at Aaron, the high priest of the Lord. In Leviticus, we see this. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. You see, as the priests would come before God, it may have been that they felt like more like a prize butcher than a high priest. Because their job was to kill and to carve. The payment system of bulls and goats was a relentless dealing with blood and flesh. Definitely not for the squeamish. And definitely not to be played with. To approach improperly could result in death because someone had to pay. Better it be bulls and goats and not them. 
And yet for all of the killing and the carving, it never felt more than enough for the moment. God is eternally holy. And yet the sacrifices were of temporary value. And so we see a pattern right from the very beginning. Someone has to pay for sin. With Adam, we see implicitly as they try to cover themselves with fig leaves, God covered them with skins that could only have come from an animal that was killed. And beyond that, repeatedly we see animals being sacrificed. And yet when it came to physical death, God was prepared to execute that as well, just as we saw with Pharaoh, as with Sodom and Gomorrah. Such is the seriousness of sin. In the face of an eternal God, someone has to pay. And so when we consider our own sin, when we consider the fact that actually our sin isn't excused in Christ, someone had to pay. Our sin isn't swept under the carpet. But as John said of Jesus in John 1, 29, as he saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes, Jesus is the Passover Lamb. Yes, Jesus is the substitute, the sacrifice for sin. And yet he was the spotless lamb, the one who was without sin. The one who was without sin to the point where he never needed anyone to stand in his place. He never needed anyone as a substitute for him. He never had fear of judgment. And yet, as he hung there on the cross, he cried, it is finished. Somebody said, it was as if Jesus had said, paid in full. Every sin, every war crime, every act of adultery, every safeguarding breach, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on and on listing the sins that grieve us. And that's before we even begin to look at ourselves and recognize our own sin, insolence, pride, rebellion, unjust anger. And yet for it all, Jesus stood as the final payment. In Hebrews it says this. Hebrews 10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. 
in burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And in verse 10 it says, And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. For all sin over all time. And verse 12, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. His payment was accepted. His check never bounced. His transaction was completed. The transfer was fulfilled. There was no insufficiency in funds and no, incor- no, no um, corruption in the, the DLs to which the transaction was being sent or from where it was being sent from. There were no sanctions against him like Putin. Jesus made a payment and it was received. And he was welcome to sit at the right hand of God, testifying to the fact that through faith in him, your sin and my sin has been passed over. The payment has been made. And there is no judgment due to us because he received it. Chapter 10, verse 14 of Hebrews says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He adds, verse 17, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. The payment has been made. It's been received and it doesn't need to be made again. And we don't need to constantly be living in fear of God bringing the hammer down on us. Because he's already done that upon his son. Someone had to pay and Jesus stepped up. And he paid that penalty. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is cause for rejoicing. We can be confident of peace with God. Regardless of what situation we're in, regardless of what we're facing, we can be confident of peace with God because of Christ. No fear of retribution. And so we're called, as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5-7, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. 
Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Praise be to God. Let's stand as we pray and prepare to sing the last song. Lord, we thank you. We thank you because we are completely and utterly undeserving. We deserve to die. We deserve the judgment that is due upon us. And yet, Lord, you, in your grace and mercy, as we sang earlier, stepped in, in our place, on our behalf. And you received that suffering that we might stand in your place and receive your life. Thank you, Lord, for being that one who brings peace and comfort to our soul, who provides us with a clear conscience because of your grace and your mercy alone. For our sins, someone had to pay, and it was meant to be us. And yet you stood in the way and you took that bullet for us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Knowing that once and for all, we are forgiven. Even for every sin that we will commit. Lord, we know there is forgiveness. There is no end to the provision of your forgiveness. There is no end to our right standing before you. And in this, Lord, we do not seek to take advantage, but seek to glorify your goodness and your grace and your mercy in achieving that for us at such a costly price, one that we couldn't afford. We thank you, Lord, for paying it all on our behalf. Amen. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.